logo. It's always weird stepping up to a microphone. Look, we'll just get into some prayer. Lord Jesus, just pray that you just um, help me to preach your word and help me to um, say what you want me to say. And pray that you just, um, yeah, just help us um, just yeah, sink in and reach us and let us learn what you want us to learn. In your mighty name, amen. So, um, so when I was first asked to preach today, um, I started praying about what I should share. And when I first started asking God about it, I was not getting much of an answer and I was getting a bit nervous. And a couple of weeks ago, when I was out mowing the lawn, I was just praying and just just praying as I was out mowing and I felt led to give a message about being a spoon-fed Christian. And now you might notice that the heading is actually slightly different to what what I've just said. It's because that's the negative side of it. I mean, obviously, we're not called to be um, spoon-fed Christians. We're called to be spiritually minded. So, my definition of a spoon-fed Christian is one that is not is not one who's immersing themselves in the in the word, rather for the bread, rather waiting for the bread to be spoon-fed to them by another. We can often blame our present circumstances, you know, being busy or our modern culture. You know, never have we been more connected or interrupted than we are now. However, this is not an excuse for having a full relationship with God. It's not about excuses, it's about our heart and where our mind is focused. Is our mind spiritually focused or is it focused on this world? See, being a spoon-fed Christian is nothing new. And this was evident in Paul's um, letter to the Corinthians. The Corinthian church had lost focus to God and had allowed their own carnal nature to be in control. So, um, does someone want to read this or do you want me to read it out? We've got a small congregation today, but a lot of Bible verses. I might just read it. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as carnal and as babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where for there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like the men? See, this was brutal. I mean, Paul goes straight to the problem. They just weren't focusing on God. They were focusing on the things of the world. And how chastising is it for Paul to speak to the church, to the children of God, and to say they're not spiritual, but as carnal babies of Christ. He's pointing out that they had not grown and they were still babies. Now this growth that he was talking about wasn't the size of the church. It wasn't the growth of the church. It was all about spiritual growth. See, it was the fact that the church of Corinth remained focused on the world and it caused envy and strife and divisions to enter the church. How ashamed would we be if someone came to us, the Bush Disciple Church, and said, you haven't grown. I've spoon-fed you before and now you're still the same. You're still babies. If this was said to us and as a whole church, it would shake us to the core. But what's our church made up of? It's It's not made of timber and steel, but rather individuals. Could this be said to us individually? For me, this is actually really challenging to share because I've examined myself 
And to be honest, it's, at times I still feel like a baby. At times I feel like I get busy and, and don't put God as number one in, in my life. Dur- during the week, I just find excuses to be busy. I feel like I'm not getting into the Word enough, I'm not meditating enough, or allowing God to reveal the Scriptures to me. God, and God wants us to, so to get in there and have a relationship with Him. In John 6, 41-52, Jesus says to us, It is written in the prophets, and they shall be taught by God. Therefore, anyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he, he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the men in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, and one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats from of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give him is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Jesus is wanting to let us know that we need to be fed by him. We need to be fed through him. Yes, Jesus lives in us, and only through Jesus are we able to participate in the fullness of life that he has provided and the coming glory. Yet, eating the bread of life is not a one-time event. It's a continuous relationship, and how great is this? God wants to teach us us himself. It's good to come to church and to learn. However, being... Being fed by someone else's interpretation of the scripture and making that the main source of our learning is not how God intended us to learn. This is not how we grow. We need to have our own relationship with God and we need to press into God ourselves. Throughout the New Testament, we have warned of false teachers. And in Paul's second letter to Timothy, Timothy, 2 Timothy 3 verse 13, Timothy is warned about evil men and imposters who grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And this is a warning that we need to heed. We need to make sure we're well-founded in the Word. See, for us, if we're listening to the preacher on Sunday, or if you're, and just not, even though that may be a God-inspired Word, it's not to be the main source of where our learning from God is to come from. I'm only a man, and this message should definitely not be the source of Scripture for the week. If church is our only interaction with God or His Scripture, I would warn us that this is not God's intention and that we need to be available for God. God wants to teach us and reveal His Scripture to us. In the Gospel, in the gospel of Matthew, Matthew 7, um, 15 to 20, as part of the Sermon on the Mount, we are told that we will know them by their fruits. This is talking about how we know if a prophet or a person is of God. We will know them by their fruits. What fruit am I producing? What type of fruit are you producing? Are we producing any fruit? This message is my interpretation of the scripture. And to avoid being deceived, we need to ensure that we are listening to God, not man. We are having a strong relationship. And we are founding ourselves on the word. In 2 Timothy 3, 14-17, it gives us hope. It says, But you must continue in the things of which you have learned and be assured of, knowing from which from that whom you have learned, and that from childhood that you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. 
All scriptures is given to it by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correctness, for instruction in righteousness, that men of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul is telling Timothy to focus on what he has learned from the scripture as a child. How amazing is this? As the scripture is inspired by God, that is, and that through this, he is complete and equipped for every good work. But this should also be highlighting for us, for the parents, the importance of, of teaching our young children um, of the scripture and providing a solid base for they in man and truth. However, this is not for just children. As adults, John 32, um, 31 to 32 tells us, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples. Indeed, and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. God wants us to have true free peace and freedom in Him. He wants us to feel engaged with Him, commune with Him. He wants us to worship Him. He wants us to give Him. Um, he wants to give us life and life in the fullest. He made a way even though we sinned against Him. He wants us to abide in Him, meditate in Him, and know Him. In Psalms, we are told to be still and know that I am God. Whatever is going on in our lives, He wants to be exalted. We just need to plug into him and into his word. We do this because God's our mighty God and he's a jealous God. Exodus 20 verse 5 tells us that God is a jealous God and he will not have us worship anything but him. He wants us to abide in him. He wants us to prioritize him. Prioritizing God is a choice that we must make if we're to grow towards spiritual maturity. Not being mere men or staying as babies in Christ it's not the responsibility of a past, the pastor or the preacher to make us grow because men can't do this. It's only Christ and in fruit being connected to Christ that we can grow. However, we're not just called to grow, we're called to go further and to produce fruit. From the Gospel of John, we get a clear expectation of this in, um, from Christ's words. John 15, 1-7. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. And the uh, branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in, in me and I in him there's much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gathered him and, and gathered them and throw, threw them into the fire, and they were burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. You will ask, you will ask what you desire, and it shall become for you. For this, my Father is glorified that you may bear much fruit, so that you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me. I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends in whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what he, 
what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from God I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and the fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command to you, that you love one another. To a Christian pressing into God, this is such an amazing passage. The promise that we are abiding in Jesus and he will abide in us. The creator of the universe wants an intimate relationship with us. Through this relationship, we will bear much fruit. God does not just promise that we'll bear some fruit. He promises that we'll bear much fruit. Isn't this exciting? That all we have to do is just press into him and we can't help to be fruitful. But the promises don't stop. God will give us what we what we desire. Now, I'll put the, the little um, cause on this to say, it's not what our earthly body desires, it's what our spiritual body desires. It's what our spiritual man being in tune with Christ wants. But this is such a blessing for us because the things of God are worth so much more than any earthly pleasure. We are no longer called to be servants, but friends of Jesus. And he shares God's truth with us. Out of, our love, out, of, um, out of our love for him, we will keep his commandments. And Jesus reminds us that whatever we ask for, in his name he will provide. And we command to love one another. But for somebody who is not abiding in God, this passage should chill you to the bone. Um, if we're not abiding in him, we're not producing fruit. And if we're not producing fruit, the unproductive branch will be cast out. No, but this is not talking about non-believers. This is talking about someone who's already part of the vine, that's already plugged into Christ. If we're being spoon-fed Christians, our growth will be stunted, and we really need to examine, are we producing good fruit at all? We need to be spiritually strong. We need to be building our relationship with God. We cannot do this ourselves. We need His power and His strength. Paul in 2 Timothy describes the type of person we can become if we're not pressing into God. 2 Timothy 3, 1-9 But know this, in the last days we will, um, men will, um, will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemies, disobedient, parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traders, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, doing, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people turn away. For they are the sort that creep into households and make captives of gullible people, loaded down with their sins, led away by um, various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the truth of knowledge of the truth. Now as James and Members resisted Moses, so do um, these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt mind disapproving concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for the folly will be manifest to all as theirs was also. By not pressing into God and not building a relationship in Christ, we risk allowing sin to enter our lives. We risk living a life away from God. We risk learning but never knowing, and we risk having a form of godliness and denying its power. We need to recognise the power of God and allow it to work in our lives. John 14, 12. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, I will do 
will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. as believers should be that of Christ as believers. We should trust and follow him and not be scared to undertake the works that Jesus did because we can stand on Jesus' promises that he goes to the, because he goes to the Father, we can do great things for our belief in him. We really need to be pressing into God and led by him and act in confidence of true conviction of what he has done in us. If we're not pressing into God for ourselves, are we truly ready for Christ? I'll go back to the scriptures and think, um, to express this, and I can't, can't think of no better way than through Matthew 25, 1 to 13, which is the parable of the ten bridesmaids. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out and meet him. And all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise said, No, lest there be no oil, and not be enough for us. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him in the wedding, to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterwards, other virgins came, also saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Therefore, watch therefore, for you do not know the day nor the hour on which the, power, which the Son of Man is coming. This parable should bring home the point, bring the point home that we need to be ready for Christ. We cannot be spirit in a spiritual slumber. Like Jesus, like Jesus teaching about the vine and the branches, we, the branches of believers, we need to be attached to Christ. We believers are, are the church of Christ. And in this parable, it was, it was talking about some of the believers not being ready. Are we ready? Are our lambs ready? Are we growing in God and producing fruit? Are we following His will? The reality of the matter is it's that there is no hot or cold. We can't be lukewarm. We need to be pressing into God. Jesus gives us a um, gives us an example of what will happen to us if we are lukewarm in Revelations. The churches of the letters, the church of the letters here, lived claiming they were wealthy and had need of nothing. They believed that because they believed, but they weren't pressing into God. They they didn't truly need Him, and they were lukewarm. They had nothing. They were spiritually poor. And God says to them that he will spew them out of their mouth. See, if we're being spoon-fed and not pursuing our relationship for ourselves, we really need, we, we're not really entering the full relationship that God has for us. And are we being lukewarm? If we are, we really need to be zealous, we need to zealously repent and press into God and his word. We cannot be spiritual babies forever. We need to grow up and we can only grow by doing this through time with God. I will not lie, I need to press further into God. I stand before you in saying that I need to grow further in spiritual maturity, but we all do. 
we need to focus more on on God. We need to focus more on our spiritual mind, and we need to crucify ourselves, our earthly selves, and our carnal mind, and focus on God. Yes, we are still of the world, and yes, we still have parts in us, parts of the world in us. But the time will come in Christ that we will stop being babies and mere men and be perfected in Him. In 1 Corinthians um, 13. 11 to 12. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I fought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, just as I also am known. This is saying, let's put aside the childish things and grow to spiritual maturity. Perfection is coming in Christ, and one day we'll be complete in Christ. And we will not see him part. We'll see him clearly face to face. And this will be a glorious day. So as we go back out to our week and focus on, on who we are in Christ, let's press into God and have the relationship that have the relationship in Christ that he called us to have and he wants for us. See, we are his believers. We are the elect of God. And I can think of no way to, better way to sum this up than, than verse in Colossians 3. 12 to 17, and this sums it up perfectly. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bear with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also do, also must, you also must do. But above all, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in our hearts, to which we are called in one body and, to be, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So as we go about the week, this is the person we need to be. This is the man we need to be in God. We need to be putting on the things of God. We need to be focusing on Him. And not just and not just being you know, a spoon-fed Christian, but we need to be having that relationship for ourselves. I'll just finish there and I'll just, just pray. Lord, thank you for sending your Son that we, we may be free. Thank you for the relationship that we have for you. I want to thank you for giving us renewed life in you and for the faith that you've given us. God, speak to us and guide us and help us to know what your will is for our lives. Give us a deeper spiritual understanding as we press into you. Help us to live for you every day and focus on you. Give us more knowledge of you and give us, more strength, and give us strength to endure. Lord, fill us with your joy, your power and thankfulness as we go about and thankfulness as we go about our weeks ahead. In your morning name, Amen.